Hey, everyone. Um, I am so excited to have a guest with me, Zuzana Kunskova. She is a programmer at Titan, which is like the Laravel agency. She is the creator of Laravels, which is a community for women, non-binary, and trans developers in the Laravel world. She's a self-taught developer, a mom, an accessibility advocate. She is so many things, such an incredible person, and I'm so excited to have her with us today. So welcome, Susanna. Thank you so much for having me. You make it sound like so great. I was looking at your <laughs> this and I was like what can this woman not do like you're li- like you, you are so you have a full-time job you're a mom of three kids mm-hmm. you have a bunch of LinkedIn learning courses that you've created yeah Larabelle's you're also you know a, 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 like a fixture of the Laravel community you did you did a live coding challenge at Laravel online a couple of months ago yeah and but you started your career in like import export, is that right? Yeah, I mean, yeah, <laughs> it wasn't another life. Yeah, I worked for an international shipping company when I used to live in Czech back then, which was interesting because Czech is a landlocked country, so we don't actually have any sea, and I was working with a sea shipping. But yeah, so I did that for a few years, and then yeah, and then you got a psychology degree. Yeah, I mean, then I moved to England. Then I had my first child. Then I had my second child. At that point, I started doing my degree because I thought, I mean, with the first kid, I was happy to just be at home and, you know, be with the child. But then when I had my second one, I didn't want to do just that anymore. Not that I don't want to say just because it was a lot of work, but I needed some stimulation as well, doing something else that, other than looking after the kids. So I decided to go to university, which I did, and got my psychology degree. And then it was around the time of your third child that you decided you wanted another challenge as well and you decided to transition from working in at school yeah in in schools as a psychologist to being a developer so like just take me back there uh to to 2016 for a minute so I mean I I wasn't a psychologist so with the degree that I had I, it was just the beginning, and I did want to go further. I, w- I was thinking about doing masters and PhD, but that was going to be such a long journey, with no or little money coming in. So I decided not to. And actually, the reason I decided to change careers was because I couldn't find any jobs using my psychology degree that would be flexible around my kids. Like everything was like proper nine to five in an office, and. I was like, I didn't do this degree to then leave my kids at home or with childminders, you know. So I decided I, I didn't want to do that. That's why I looked for, that's why when I was having my third child, I mean, so I used to work at schools as a special needs teaching assistant because that was, to be honest, that was the only thing I could do around kids because the, working at schools would be, would mean that I was working term time only and they were understanding about the kids and actually it was the, the school that I had my kids at. So I was working at the same school as my kids were. But I knew that wasn't what I wanted to do. Like, you know, I just happened to do it because that was what I could find at that time. So when I was having my third child, I decided to take this time, the maternity leave, to really think about what I want to do. I didn't want to just take jobs like that were just, you know, that happened to come at the time. Like, I wasn't looking to be a teaching assistant in the first place. I took that job because it was flexible and it was okay at that time. 
But when I was having my third child, I thought, okay, I really want to sit down and think what I want to do, something that can be uh, worth doing long term. I was fed up switching jobs. Like I wanted to settle down on something, something that could be flexible around the kids. I just wanted to have it all, you know, have my family and have a job that I like, everything. So, so tell me about how you switched your career path from thinking about a PhD to thinking about PHP. <laughs> oh, that's a good one. Yeah. Well, thank actually, you. I'm still thank thinking. you. I'll be here all week. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> I'm still thinking about PhD. I think that will never go away. I am I am what you would call forever student. I just I <laughs> love learning and if it was up to me my full-time job would, job would be just studying. I don't know. I just like there is so much we don't know. There's so much we, I can learn. And yeah, so I still want to go to school, not full-time, but I would still like to do either masters or PhD. So yeah, that's never off the table. But yeah, I mean, so when I was thinking about what to do, so let me just say I was never technical in any way, shape or form. I was at best a very basic user of a computer. I knew how to turn it off, turn it off, you know, the very basic stuff. My my husband is a software engineer, so I knew if I pressed something wrong, he would fix it. But other than that, I didn't know anything about computers. So my search for a new career started with looking for things I could do from home. So actually, I genuinely sat down at my computer and I Googled things I can do from home. And web design and web development kept coming up. I mean, I ignored it for a while, <laughs> but then I was like, I'm just going to look into it because it seems to be like the thing to do flexibly. And it seems like it seems to be easy to get started because obviously I read all these success stories like learn development in six months and, you know, land uh, the job of your dreams, blah, blah, blah. So I thought, oh, okay, let's see if I can do that too. I didn't, by the way, spoiler. It took me much longer than six months, but I got there eventually. So what did you use when, when you were learning how to how to code and you also you were also on maternity leave at the time yeah is that right so like yeah so my little one was just born in January well he's not little anymore but and I think yeah around that time so yeah pretty much I still have a picture somewhere where he was maybe two weeks old and I had my two computers set up wanted to look professional like a programmer you know and on one, I was running Linux, and on the one, Windows. And basically, it, it looked so great. But what people didn't know was that, like, I only just had the Linux installed, but I didn't know how to use any of it. Like, it just looked cool, but I knew nothing about anything. <laughs> but, yeah, I started when it was very little. So I just Googled. And I remember I Googled anything I would Google. I would always say, for newbies. So, you know, how to do something for newbies or for dummies. You know, just always add this for dummies at the end to make sure that the explanation I got was the, the simplest one, the simplest one possible, because I just didn't understand. Like, I can speak English, but I couldn't understand the technical words in English, even though I would translate them back to Czech. But then I never had, like, a Czech technical education either, so I, I just didn't understand the meaning of the words. So that was, I think that was possibly the biggest obstacle that for, and I don't know if it's the same for native English speakers, but I just didn't understand, like, what does it mean? So even to this day, like, what does it mean when you, when you hydrate something? Like, what do you mean hydrate? Sure, there should be, like, easy words to use. Or uh, there are lots of examples. I just wouldn't understand. So English was one thing that I was struggling with, but then the technical knowledge as well. That's really interesting. Like, there's, a, there's two sort of barriers there, right, to teaching yourself how to code. Was The, the, the first one was just knowing what's going on in the first place, which it sounds like you you built the the most crucial 
ground skill for any developer first, which is figuring out how to Google things <laughs> and Googling <laughs> yeah. for the things that you want. Um, but then the second one is, is the language piece, mm. which pretty much like all coding is in English. Yeah. And so not only do you need to know like what an array is from a code perspective, mm-hmm. you also need to know what an array is, period. Or yeah, yeah like hydrating. So like or like there's all of these like words that are used. Kernel. These- like what is a kernel? I still don't know what a kernel is. I mean, they say it's like like when you've got a peach and a stone in the middle, that's kind of like a kernel of the peach. Am I saying it right? I don't even know. But yeah. yeah, I guess it's like it's like a piece of like a grain, I guess I would think. Something like, a, like yeah. the center like the center of piece something. of a grain. Yeah. 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 Some yeah. words are just really hard still to this day to understand. Or I like I look into it, I, I get it, but then I forget and then you have to look it up again. Yeah, some words are just so there, I think hard. there's one word you probably don't need to translate, which is robot, which I believe is originally Czech. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah. yeah. I think so, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Very good general knowledge there. Well done, Michelle. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. No. Um, no, but yeah, it's this really, I think it's really interesting because I wonder if it, you know, it probably takes you like that much longer to learn how to do something if there's this extra layer of translation on, on top of that. And I can't even translate it to, like I said, I can't translate it to Czech because I don't know the words in Czech either because I never did that in Czech. So I kind of have to translate it into simpler English. And I still struggle talking about technical things. Like when I do coding, when I pair program with somebody, I use the word stuff a lot or this or that because I still don't know, like some words are just escaping me. I know what they are, but I just, yeah, I'll get there eventually. It might just take me a few more years, but... Yeah, I I could totally understand. And I think, you know, something is really interesting about your perspective and then like your work is that, you know, you're saying that, that previously you were you were working in a school mm-hmm. um, with special needs kids and yeah. and then you transitioned to being a developer and you had this kind of, yeah, like a, a, additional hurdle to, to, to jump through and I, you've become an accessibility advocate, and I guess I can really see how, you know, your your own experiences, both work and and personally, have led to that, because mm. you've ex- like you've seen that for yourself and that kind of application. Yeah, I mean, the reason I went for accessibility in the first place was because I really didn't want to feel like I wasted four years of university for nothing. I was looking for a way to use my psychology knowledge and a degree on the web so that I know that I haven't just yeah like I said I haven't just spent four years doing nothing or for nothing not doing nothing I did a lot but so that's why when I found accessibility I was like oh this is the link if anything if nothing but for myself to know that okay I can use psychology via accessibility and use it on the web but yeah you're right like when it comes to subtitles I always like please use subtitles in videos audios because I mean, I learned to speak English from subtitles on TV. So when I when I learned English, I didn't learn English at school. Or I mean, I had English lessons, but didn't learn anything. It wasn't until I came to England as an au pair when I was 18, with really zero spoken English, when I had to learn English the hard way and like by being among English speaking people. And what helped me was subtitles on TV. I mean, so much, so much. I still remember that was it the old teletext. I think it was like 888 on the remote. I don't know if it's just English or Czech thing, but we used to press like 888 on the TV remote and we would have the subtitles. And that helped me so much, like just piercing together 
the word and how it sounds and how it's being used. So yeah, please, everyone, whoever does videos, audios, use or add subtitles or transcript, because not only is it easier to search, come on, like you don't, you can't always listen to video with volume up. So you can always, you know, if you are with other people or traveling, whatever. So subtitles are just so important for me. And if, if they help me, you know. And I think you mentioned with, with transcripts too. I mean, the, the sort of the great thing about the age we're in right now is that you can get automated transcripts that are like, they're pretty much like 95% of the way there. And it's really cheap. So I remember, you know, the, the company I worked at before I worked on Geocodio, like they basically had a freelancer that they hired to make all of their transcripts by hand. And it was very expensive and wow. time consuming. And, you know, it could take a couple of weeks to get... Mm-hmm. A transcript back for you know a 30 minute video yeah but now you can just upload it to descript or otter.ai or like there's all of these services that will do these automated transcripts and not only does it help people who might have you know various disabilities but also people who are not native speakers of the language mm-hmm. that your video is in or it's also great for seo as well like there's yeah. so many benefits to it it's almost like you know pick the benefit that you care about it and then run yeah. with that one for your reason to <laughs> yeah. to do transcription or, or captioning. I mean everything accessibility people might think like oh it's only for somebody else you know but really all accessible concepts are beneficial for everyone I mean having like websites keyboard accessible so you might think it's for people you know who maybe don't have a mouse whatever but what about when you're holding a child you know or like have a broken arm something i mean there's always always beneficial for everyone and whoever says that they don't need their website to be accessible they are lying to themselves because you may be there currently don't have the need but there might come a time that they would wish that the website they are using or their website was accessible so for me accessibility is a common sense like yeah i mean why not I guess for a lot of, you know, like indie developers, you know, starting their own companies, I I get the sense sometimes that accessibility feels like it feels somewhere between a chore and like completely confusing and just like it's like such a big area. Like it's just like this sort of monster almost that they're like, I don't even like know what I need to do about that. And it sounds really complicated and time consuming. So uh, I'm just going to pretend like it's not there because, oh, my God, I don't even have anyone paying me. Like, how can I you know, focus on this? Um, I'm just curious, what is your like advice to someone who is feeling that way? First of all, when you come down to HTML, if you use HTML properly, I mean, you are halfway there. You know, if you use the if you start at the bottom, start a, a semantic markup properly, you are halfway there. And you don't have to do everything 100%. You just start, you know. You don't don't aim for like 100% in Lighthouse audit report. Just do what you can and then improve on it. You know, it doesn't have to be all or nothing. Just start somewhere and, yeah. Because if you think about it, like, oh, I, it needs to be 100% perfect. Well, it could, it would be great, but just do any little helps. Yeah. I mean, you know, another thing is, you know, using something like Tailwind, for example. Like, I know mm. that they have done accessibility reviews and so that can be a pretty big leg up both in terms of accessibility but also you don't have to build your own design system and so kind of like with transcripts it's like pick your reason for for using the thing that is more accessible because it also has you know marketing and and efficiency benefits to it as well like it's not 
accessibility or marketing or mm-hmm. accessibility or design. It can be both of those things. Yeah. Yeah. And even this lighthouse report, like when you do the lighthouse audit, it tells you what needs to be done. You know, it doesn't just tell you, oh, your website is terrible. It gives it gives <laughs> you tips what you can do to improve it. So there is so much help. And it, yeah, don't don't let it overwhelm you. You don't have to do it all. Just do little by, by little. Yeah. This is the focus of the, the courses you've done on LinkedIn as well. Is that right? Mm. Yeah. LinkedIn. Yeah. I'm curious for, you know, other developers, like, would you recommend doing a LinkedIn learning course? Like, so I had a conversation sometimes with friends were like, oh, like I got reached out by LinkedIn learning. Like, should I, should I do this? Like, is it worth Mm. it? For me, it is worth it for various reasons. First of all, it forces me when I'm working on a course, it forces me to really understand what I'm doing. And maybe that's why I've only done the beginner stuff, because I just don't feel confident enough to do advanced. You know, it all comes down to the language. I think yeah, my biggest insecurity is the language, not being able to explain something, not because I don't know how, but like I'm struggling with the words. So that's why I haven't just haven't done anything advanced. But when it comes to beginner's courses, I still remember I'm still not that far like into my career to forget what it was like as a beginner. So I still remember what it's like. I still remember being confused the smallest of things for example you know when you've got like a tutorials and they use terminal snippets like code snippets and at the beginning of the terminal you've got a dollar sign on a mug and i always thought that was part of the command like you have to add a dollar sign and then write a command i didn't know that that was like just that was a sign that would say like type it type this into the terminal so like things like that I had no idea, you know, and it confused me for so long. Like, what is this dollar sign doing there? Do I have to type it? When I type it, it doesn't work. What does it mean? So I still remember these little things that we don't think about as much as as we are programmers, like in a daily life, you know, daily work. We don't think about things like that. But I think I still remember. So I'm trying to not forget and use this in my courses. And of course, I'm sure there will be other things I will forget and different people will have different struggles different questions but the courses I'm making are the courses I would have loved to have when I was learning the topic yeah I feel like I can really see like a lot of empathy for past you coming through in that and trying to make things easier for people who are maybe in a similar situation as as you were in when you were learning to code yeah yeah, because it wasn't easy. I mean, like I said, it didn't take me six months. And I don't doubt that there are people who can make it in such a short period of time. But it took me years. I mean, it wasn't an easy journey. And I just added so many courses. And even though then I thought, okay, I know how to do things, I still wouldn't call myself a developer because who am I? I mean, I had no certificates. You know, I come from the uh, background, like when people, unless you have a degree or a certificate, it, it that, it's not real. And the thing about web development is that you don't need any of this and you can still be a real developer without any degrees or certificates. But this is what I struggled with. I didn't know at what point can I call myself a developer? Like, Because I remember I was at a local WordPress meetup and you know, at the beginning we would say like introductions. And while I finally like got the courage to say, hi, my name is Susanna and I'm a developer. And I still felt like I was such a fraud, like, what am I even saying? But then there was a, a person and they said, oh, I'm just a hobbyist. And then every question they had would be so advanced. I was like, so they call themselves a hobbyist and they are so way ahead of me. And I'm here, I'm saying developer and I know hardly anything. So I struggle with that big time and I'm trying to, 
I know it's real. I know other people struggle. So I'm trying to, yeah, do and say things that would have helped me back then. And I'm not saying people didn't encourage me. Of course they did. Like without other people, I, I wouldn't be here. But I think you have to really believe it to even listen to other people. It doesn't matter what other people tell you. If you don't believe it yourself, it's, you know, it's pointless. So I'm trying to do my bit, maybe hopefully help other people believe in themselves, like that they can do it. Because they often think, oh, development, you know, it's so hard. I could never do it. But I didn't have any technical background. You know, I didn't. There are people who start coding when they are teenagers. I knew nothing about computers. And it took me a while. So I was 36, I think, 35, something. 35 something like that when I started learning and that's another thing like people I think oh I'm too old to do something new and I thought that too until I read one day I don't know some online article saying like today is the youngest you will ever be you will only be older so if you don't start whatever it is you want to start today because you think you are too old chances are it will never leave you this wanting the feeling that you want to try and you will only be older next time you think about it so you might as well just start today so I did, but yeah, I don't deny these feelings are there. Like people feel this way. I've got so many friends who say, "Oh, we wish we could do things that you do." I said, "But I am not special. Like I'm stubborn. That's yeah, I am stubborn. But if and I know I don't want to say if I can do it, anyone can because like people have different circumstances, different abilities. So again, this is such a sweeping statement. Like I don't like that. But at the same time, I don't want people to think that it's impossible because I believe it is. Yeah, I mean, I think there's a lot of value in in you saying that, like, you were a 35-year-old mom of three kids changing careers to become a self-taught developer who's not a native English speaker. I think if you can do it, that should be very good motivation for other people to see that they can also overcome, you know, the, the barriers that they face as well. In, in becoming a developer I mean I always when people say self-taught I don't know if it's the right way to say because nobody's really truly self-taught we are all building on the knowledge of other people and like I'm not I am self-taught in a sense that I didn't go to school but I mean I've used people's tutorials and videos and resources so they taught me so I'm just kind of passing the knowledge on if I can I guess self-directed is maybe be what I mean, yeah, like to say that you didn't go to, you know, yeah. you don't have an IT degree yeah. or something like that. So I, I'm curious, you said it was January of 2016 when you had your youngest son, and that was when you decided to explore switching careers and becoming a developer. And then you mentioned this WordPress meetup you were at where you first gave yourself the permission to call yourself a developer. And, mm -hmm. and I'm curious how long it was from when you first started learning to code in January of 2016 to to when you called yourself a developer and then when you first got paid for doing development work in some capacity? I think looking back, so I started in 2016. The first year I was just learning. I don't think much happened the first year. <laughs> then in, so that was 2017. I started, I think that was when I did the Udacity nano degree. So Udacity is this online platform with courses. I think it's changed over the years, but they used to do these scholarships where they have what they call nano degrees. It's like a little degree where you do courses and you have to do assignments. And you can either, it used to be that you can either do it for free, 
by yourself, like free courses, or if you paid, you would have like a, access to an actual tutor who would uh, review your code and give you tips and all that. But the paid one, I mean, I can't remember what it was. It was quite expensive for me at the time. So I, I would never do that for money. But they also offered scholarships. So I applied and there was a scholarship for a mobile web development, which is nothing to do with mobiles, <laughs> but it's to do with accessibility and making things like, I don't actually know why they use the word mobile. It was to do with accessibility and making the web responsive. So I applied for that and that was funded by Google and I got that scholarship, which means I, I could do the whole course and I had access to uh, the tutor or you know there was a forum with all the students. So when I, I did that, I think in 2018, I started in 2017 and I finished 2018. That took about six months. Yeah. And doing that, I think that's at that point. So it was about a year and a half into it. I have to say, like being a mom, I wasn't doing it full time. Like I wasn't doing it every day, you know, eight hours a day. No, I was doing every day a little bit. But still, bear in mind, I had three kids. One of them was tiny. So I did all I could. But like, that's why it probably took me so long. But in 2018, I finished the nano degree. And I think end of 2017 was the first time I went to the WordPress meetup. And and I, me being me, because I don't say no to things. <laughs> uh, they, when they ask for people, if there was anybody who would like to do a presentation, I just said, yeah, I'm going to do it. And I did it about accessibility. And I used a lot of the material from the Udacity course. So I did a presentation and there was like about 30 people in the audience. And that was the first time when I actually stood up and talked about anything even remotely technical in front of other people. And when I did that, after that, I was like, okay, maybe I can call myself a developer. I mean, at that point, I still didn't have any money. I didn't have any paid project. I didn't actually build any. I mean, I built a website for my husband and I built one for myself, you know, but nothing major. So after giving this talk, this presentation, I think that was when I started believing in myself, thinking, okay, I can call myself a developer. So that was 2018. So it was about two years, almost two years, because I think the presentation I gave was like January or February in 2018. So it was about two years after I first looked into web development. And then the job, so actually at that meetup, then I did two more talks. One was about, it was because it was WordPress meetup, so it was all to do with WordPress. So the first was the accessibility one. Then I also did one about child themes and another one i can't remember anyway but those talks in the audience sat a, a person a man who who's the owner of a local agency and we got talking after the talk after the presentation that i gave and we were chatting and he was asking me stuff and he said well why don't we you know carry on talking maybe i would have a job for you i was like wow <laughs> and yeah at, at the end he did give me my first ever dev job at first i was contracting for him and yeah, then he employed me. So he basically gave me the job knowing that I didn't have any experience, but seeing my my talk, I guess, convinced him that I was okay and I could learn. And he gave me the chance. So that was, I think, June, July 2018. Yeah. I think it, people who are willing to give somebody a chance like that and like to be their first champion, like mm -hmm. those are very, very special yeah. people and I mean it sounds yeah. like that played a huge role in your career but I think that's something for like I guess all of us to like look for those opportunities of like how can I be that first champion for someone and I feel like I really see that come through in in your work with Larabelle's where you're trying to you know lift up 
women and non-binary and trans people in the Laravel world. And so I'm curious, like, like how did you come across the Laravel world? Hmm. Well, it was in this job, actually. So although it was mainly WordPress agency, they did have a couple of Laravel projects. And that was when I first got to know about Laravel. I've never heard about it until then. I wasn't even active on Twitter, really, because like I didn't know anyone to follow. You know, it's very hard when you are starting in something new to even know what people to follow, like who to follow, who are the people. So I wasn't on Twitter much. or I, mean, I had an account, but I was on it. And yeah, in that company, so that was the first time, like my boss, he gave me a chance, like he said, there is this WordPress project or there's this Laravel, but which one do you want? I was like, well, to be honest, I could probably do my work faster on the WordPress one, but I really want to work into Laravel. So he gave me the time, the chance to look into it. And I remember that was like summer 2018, I think, and I was going uh, on holidays and I had the Matt Taufer's Laravel Up and Running book with me just reading through it on a plane. And it was like reading the book, you know, when you read it without actually applying the knowledge, it sounded all so clear. I mean, I was like, this is perfect. I understand everything. And then I sat in front of the computer and tried to like run a new Laravel project. I was like, oh, that's not, <laughs> this is way be- beyond anything I-, I know what to do. Like, so yeah, that's when I learned about Laravel. And although I didn't, I couldn't do anything, I knew I wanted to learn that. I don't know why, but maybe it was the book maybe because at that point I also watched some uh, YouTube tutorials and I was excited by the possibilities like because bear in mind at that point I was still very very new to development in general I I was working with WordPress but I still didn't know a lot so reading about what Laravel and watching people do things with Laravel to me it was like wow I mean I could do that I really want to learn how to do it so yeah from that start I knew I wanted to learn more about Laravel and then when I I think I followed Matt and then I followed other people and I got to know about the community and it seemed really nice, you know, so it was like, that was it. I found, I remember thinking to myself, okay, I found my thing because, you know, when you learn anything new, especially in development, when we've got so many technologies and tools, you can become an expert in so many things. I think it's quite nice to find the thing that that you like and then focus on it. Otherwise you are kind of trying too many things. And at least in my case, the first couple of years, I was doing so many things, trying to learn everything there was to learn, but never really getting good at anything because I never gave myself the time to learn anything in depth. But when I found Laravel, I was like, okay, that's it. I really want to learn how this works. And yeah, I stuck to it. And so where did the idea for Laravels come from? So although the, the Laravel community was great, I didn't really see any women or mothers, you know, because the thing is, I was still feeling still feeling that I'm old and I shouldn't be doing it simply because I didn't see anyone else doing it you know I didn't see any other women developers and so I was like why not does it mean that we like women shouldn't be developers or what does it I mean what is the message this situation is you know sending forward like the fact that you can't find any developers women developers that I could relate to what does it mean does it mean that there aren't any does it mean that I shouldn't be doing it you know what is it so I was looking for for a community in general. So I found looking through, you know, those success stories. There were the other frameworks and other languages have pages like this. So I think there is Django Girls and Rails Girls. I don't know the names, but like a lot of these websites or communities, they would have success stories like or stories of uh, the women that made it. And I would read these stories over and over. I was like, wow, look at this. She was a mom. I was always trying to find something to relate to. So there was somebody 
had a psychology degree. I was like, wow, and they made it. I can do it too. Or there was a mom. Oh, wow, she's a mom too. And I can, you know, so I was always looking for other people who were in, had something in common with me or I had something in common with them and that made it. And that kind of inspired me to keep going because otherwise it was quite lonely, you know, always seeing only men. And there's nothing wrong with men doing what they do. But I just didn't feel, I felt like, should I even be doing this? You know, it's because it was, it, it felt strange. So that's why at first I was looking for a community. I didn't want to found anything, you know. I wouldn't call myself an entrepreneur. I, I didn't know anything about anything, really. So I was looking for a community like that. And I was like, there must be. So if, if Jungle has community and if, I mean, View has community, everyone has community, why there isn't one for Laravel? So I asked on Twitter and I asked my, like, 300 followers at that point asked like does anyone know about a community for women and they said no and maybe you should create one I was like yeah right ha, ha, ha. and I left it and that was here in 2018 and yeah two years later there's still I, honestly I was looking out for one I, I wanted somebody to make a community so I can become a part of and like find my friendship circle you know people that you can go to just chat people who who maybe go through the same things like you and nobody did so I think it was about two years later when I actually maybe for the first time mentioned it to another developer like a group of developers that I know and they all said do it just create one I was like but who am I to make a I mean I I don't even know Laravel that well you know I've only been doing it for a couple of years who am I to make a community and they said well you are the perfect person because you are it's a community that you want you're not making it of course, I'm making it for other people, but I'm making it the first, the first place I was making it for myself. I knew exactly what I needed. So I was in a perfect place to make something. So I did. But looking back, it still feels unreal. Like, seriously. So I'm curious, how many members are there of Larabelle's now? I don't actually, I, so I don't keep, like, I can tell you how many newsletters we send out. I can tell you how many people are on Discord or how many followers we have on Twitter. But we don't have like a, so on the website, I think we have, about 30 people featured, so 30, 30-ish women, trans, and non-binary developers are on the website. So, like, if that's how you would count. I mean, to me, that directory that I'm building, like directory of women, non-binary, trans developers that I'm building is, again, that's for me when I couldn't find anyone to even talk, to even follow. And now there are 30 odd people that now people can follow and read about and learn from to me this is a huge success i know for other people it might be well just 30 people what are you talking about for, for me it's like i you know i found people from all over the world and it's amazing and i can say that i found them or they found me because like i reached out to i used a lot of you know on linkedin when you sometimes get the suggestions you know to follow certain people so i go through suggestions and if anyone has php on and is a women trans and non-binary you know i i I uh, contact them and I hope that they will not think I'm, I'm a weirdo and they will hopefully reply back. But that to me is the biggest success, success that I found. I managed to put together this directory of women, non-binary trans developers. People can talk to, people can follow on Twitter. And so many of us are doing, now doing things. And we have probably been doing this all along. We just, like women don't seem to be very public in the public eye about the things we do. So I'm not saying that we didn't exist we just didn't know about each other and now we do and I think it's for the best because I definitely made friends with people that I you know through Laravel through Larabelle's community 
And I've got opportunities, and I know other people got opportunities through Larabelle's. For example, the LinkedIn courses. So LinkedIn approached me first, me personally, but then when they found out about Larabelle's, they asked me, okay, and other Larabelle's who would like to do courses. So then I asked other Larabelle's, and I know at least two other ones have done courses, and I think more people are in the works. So this is amazing. It is amazing. I mean, I think, you know, going from being feeling like you're the only person who is trying to to do this to then having 30 people. But then who, you know, do those 30 people by being public themselves, by running courses, you know, speaking at the conferences Mm -hmm. and giving workshops, giving talks, doing live coding challenges like you did, like, you know, that's more people who find out about it. And there is an exponential effect of that. That the more public you and other people are, the more people know about the organization, but also know that they too can, you know, be on stage at a conference as well. I think the last Laracon, not the last one, the uh, summer one, so it was last year, when there were six women speakers at the Laracon online. I I think that was the most women speaker that have ever been at the Laracon conference. And I was like, this is so nice. Like, it's just so nice that now we are out there speaking and people are listening, listening to our experiences and maybe learning from us, you know, learning about what it's like to be a woman in tech in the Lara community. Because people will say, oh, Lara community is nice and people are nice to each other. That's right. I'm not saying it isn't true. But at the same time, I'm not trying to, you know, some people have said to me that I am trying to break a perfectly okay community. Why am I doing this? Why am I creating like, you know, two communities when there could be just one and I wish there wasn't a need for Larabelle's you know it's at, but at the same time I don't I don't see it as anything wrong like we are just you know when you go and when you meet people in the real world outside of work you also have are part of communities whether it is you're going to the gym or you have another hobby these are all communities and surely nobody said why do you need to have like a I don't know painting community like why why do you need that i mean because you have something in common and you like to talk about it and you feel better for it so that's why we have Bells. it's not to break the laravel community it's to make it better because now we have someone to talk to someone we can ask for help or even somebody to you know i will give shout out to people other people because i know how hard it would be for me to give shout out to myself so i'm trying to be i think i'm an enabler i just i like to enable people to do things and so I think it's the best for the community because then you will have more people confident to talk about their work, doing great work, you know, talking about their lives and it will enrich everyone else. I mean, that's an important thing about the Laravel community and certainly the leadership of the Laravel community is being very welcoming. Um, mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's really awesome you said that there were six women speaking at Laracon last summer. because so I remember the one that I spoke at in 2017 I don't think I realized. I think it was me and then I think Laura from Client Portal. I don't know if there was another female speaker, but like I remember thinking, oh, wow, it's like so awesome that there's like multiple women speaking here. And like I remember going to the conference and like no one made me feel like actively unwelcome. And I was like, wow, this is really great. And now, of course, realizing, well, that's that's kind of a in some ways that's like a low bar that like no one comes up to you and says like, (laughs) why are you here? Right. But like that actually like, you know does happen where like people basically just assume I'm my husband's assistant and like have told me that he does all the real work of the company and that like, you know, basically that I'm his secretary, right? And like people treated me like I was, you know, like I deserved to be there, Hmm. which 
which I which I really love. Like I've I've always really felt welcome in the Laravel world, even though you know I'm not I'm not a developer myself. And sure, there's always people who are going to be like, you know, oh, this is you know divisive or whatever. But like, there's always going to be those people. But I think it's really mm-hmm. important what the leadership of the community models. And you know, I think certainly from you know Matt, your boss, you know Taylor, and everybody else. There's a, there's a really strong sense of inclusiveness. Yeah, I mean. Really, they're, they're doing a lot of things right already. It's just sometimes you need this little extra thing. For example, I mean, I wouldn't ask anyone like Taylor or Madonna to make a community for women. Women, like, why would they? You know, they could, but like, I sometimes feel like you have to be really coming from within to know what the community needs. So that's why it's like, if anything, it's probably very selfish, but I'm building community first and foremost for myself because this is what I needed back then, and I still do. And I know like people are different and I know different people have different needs. But I'm trying to think like if I come from my own needs, my own views, then hopefully at least I'll help somebody. And then the bigger the community is, the more opinions we can have and the more people then can, you know, use their own experiences and grow even larger. I mean, one thing I don't like to be is <laughs> this, uh, like people think of Larbas and they think of me. Like I am just the person who founded it. I am not that important really. Like Larbas is beyond it's more than me and I wish it wasn't like when people say Larabas they think automatically about me because I don't want it to be that way like I want Larabas to be independent entity but I think like maybe when we get a bit bigger when more people get involved it won't be always me doing podcasts and you know presentations that's what I wish for because really believe it or not I hate this this publicity and like this attention like it's not me at all I'm so anxious every time I do like a talk or uh, the Laracon died, the two Laracons. I do it because I feel like I don't want to say no. I feel in a way a little bit of pressure. If I say no, what does it mean that there will be one less woman there? So I feel like I have to say yes to these things. And I do enjoy it, don't, don't get me wrong, but it's also very stressful. And same is like, there was the Laravel Origins documentary that went live in March. And ever since that documentary, they keep coming out. So Offers and the company who made it, they keep coming out with these other short videos, like about various things to do with Laravel work. And they came out with Laravel's one just like a few days ago. And I just seeing myself there, I was like, oh God, not me. <laughs> like I wish there were other people, not just me. I want Laravel's and the message to grow beyond just me because it, I am not person who likes publicity at all which is funny because i am now all over the twitter <laughs> but i can't go with the flow now i'm trying not to think about it too much but yeah i want Larabos to be bigger than just me you do these things basically for the benefit of past you not yeah. for the yeah. benefit of like promoting current you it's all it's, oh, it's my, all about my current you up <laughs> Current me hates myself at the moment, <laughs> but my past, that was very well said. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I do that for my past me. Yeah. You're being a champion maybe, of, of uh, other people. <laughs> maybe in the future, maybe I'll feel again the same way about what I'm going through right now. Maybe I'll be like, look, look, if I hadn't done all this publicity, maybe I wouldn't be wherever I'm going to be in the future. I don't know. Yeah. But it's definitely not, not comfortable for me. But it is what it is. I'm just going with the flow. I have a problem saying no, to be fair. Like when people offer me something, I just most of the time say yes, except for this podcast when you had to convince me. Like <laughs> <laughs> I, re- I, I really had to to sell it to you to come on um, today. And actually, one of those reasons I really wanted to have you on is because 
you have also been a champion of me as well from the very, very early thoughts of me writing a book. Yeah. You were sliding into my DMs, <laughs> instigating it, you know, just just like all in the beginning when I was like, oh, I don't know, like, should I write a book? That sounds like a big project. I can't do it. I'm not an author. Like all the like <laughs> you were just every single like thread and everything you were you were on it being like, no, you could write the book. You'll look back on this and remember this is the moment you decided to like um yeah and you know this I don't is true like I could, see, <laughs> I could take from looking from you know you are it was about you it's so hard to be objective when it's about yourself you know but like I could tell you can write you can talk and also do as I say not as I do that's my, <laughs> that's my so if you told me write a book I'm like nah but I'm gonna encourage everyone else you know because that's I like doing that and I think it's important yeah let's see are you happy you did it I am. I am, I am very grateful for your support <laughs> and encouragement. I remember I tweeted out like, oh, like, I'm, you know, I had this like crazy thought of like writing a book. And then people were so overwhelmingly positive about it. I was like, wow, it was just like a kind of idle thought I had and almost didn't want to admit to myself that I had. But then it was like everybody else gave me kind of the the permission to hmm. to run with that. And almost in that way that when you were at that WordPress meetup, like, you kind of had this sort of little kernel of a of a feeling <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> of like, oh, I could identify as a developer. I could identify as an author. And then once you when once somebody let you embody that identity, right? Like allowed mm -hmm. that to grow a little bit. That's when it really blossomed. And so I think it sounds like you've really seen for yourself the importance of being that encouragement for someone when maybe it's not that they don't believe in themselves. It's that they don't know if they're allowed to believe mm -hmm. in this other identity this other role for themselves yeah yeah and we can honestly we can be anything we want to be it's been we've been like in a way i don't want to say not controlled but we we are made to believe we have certain roles in a society and it's and although things are changing some things are still hard to accept that we can be more than just you know and you can be a mom and you can also be a business owner and you can have it all. Okay, you might have to, you know, make compromises and negotiate here and there, but you can have it all on your own terms. And I think believing in that is the first step, whatever it is for, for you or anyone who's listening, like whatever it is that you wish you could do something or be, be somebody, just know that you can, you can. Most of the time, the only person that's stopping you is yourself. But yeah, just we can be anything we want to be. And if, if you want to be a Laraval developer, let's get in touch and I'm going to help you. <laughs> I, I feel like that is a fantastic way to end this. Thank you so much for, for coming on today and for letting me convince you uh, <laughs> to come on today. Uh, Susanna, if people want to learn more about you or... Larabelle's or all those other things you're involved with where can they go to learn more so twitter probably so on my <laughs> on twitter my my handle is zuzana so z-u-z-a-n-a -A underscore k-u-n-c-k-o-v-a good luck finding it we'll link it. <laughs> <laughs> but okay so i've got a website zuzana-k.com so there will be links there, I'm sure. Then, like I said, Twitter, LinkedIn Learning. If you look me up, you will see I currently have three courses and I've got a fourth one. I'm working on a fourth one now. Larabels is larabels.com website and larabels.php on Twitter.
awesome. That's all. Yeah. Thank you so much for coming on today. Before we close out, I want to give a huge thanks to all of our listeners who've become software socialites and support our show. You can become a supporter for $10 a month or $100 a year at softwaresocial.dev slash supporters. Chris from Chipper CI, the dangerously handsome Kevin Griffin. Oh, I think it's supposed to say daringly handsome, but Kevin, today you're dangerous. Um, Mike from Gently Used Domains, Dave from Recut, Max of Online or Not, Stefan from Talk to Stefan, Brendan Andrade of Bright Bits, Aaron from Tuple, Alex Hillman from The Tiny MBA, Remy from Memo.fm, Jane and Benedict from UserList, Kendall Morgan, Ruben Gamez of Signwell, Corey Haynes of Swipewell, Mike Wade of Crowd Sentry, Nate Ritter of Room Seals, Anna Mast of Subscribe Sense, Jeff Roberts from Outseti, Justin Jackson from MegaMaker, Jack Ellis and Paul Jarvis from Fathom Analytics, Matthew from Appointment Reminder, Andrew Culver at Bullet Train, John Coster, Alex of Corso Systems, Richard from Stunning, Josh, the annoyingly pragmatic founder, that's actually what he wanted me to read, um, Ben from Consent Kit, John from Credo and Editor Ninja, Cam Sloan, Michael Copper of Nusi Proposals, Arvid Call, James Sowers of Castaway.fm, Nathan of Develop Your UX, and Jessica Melnick. To all of our supporters, thank you. And to Susana Konchakova, thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you for having me. Huge thanks to all of our listeners who've become software socialites and support our show. Chris from Chipper CI, the daringly handsome Kevin Griffin, and Mike from Gently Used Domains, who has a nice personality, Dave from Recut, Max of Online or Not, Stefan from Talk to Stefan, Brendan Andrade of Bright Bits, Team Tuple, Alex Hillman from the Tiny MBA, Rami from Hovercode and Rocket Gems, Jane and Benedict from UserList, Kendall Morgan, Ruben Gomez of Signwell, Corey Haynes of Swipewell, Mike Wade of Crowd Sentry, Nate Ritter of Roomsteals, Anna Mast of SubscribeSense, Jeff Roberts from Outseta, Justin Jackson, MegaMaker, Jack Ellis and Paul Jarvis from Fathom Analytics, Matthew from Appointment Reminder, Andrew Culver at Bullet Train, John Coster, Alex of Corso Systems, Richard from Stunning, Josh the Annoyingly Pragmatic Founder, Ben from Consent Kit, John from Credo and Editor Ninja, Cam Sloan, Michael Copper of Nusi Proposals, Chris from URL Box, Callie of Toslet, Greg Park from Trait Lab, Adam from Rails Autoscale, Lana and Alex from Recapsi, Joe Mazzalotti of RailsDevs.com, Proud Mama from Applenet LLC, Anna from Cradle, Monsef from Ruby on Mac, Steve of Be Inclusive, Simon Bennett of Snapshooter Backups, Josh Smith of Keyhero.io, Jesper Christensen of Form Backend, Matthew of Works Cited, Chris of JetBoost.io, Daryl Shannon of Docomatic, Larabels, a community for Larabelle developers underrepresented due to their gender, Brendan from Feederloop, Pascal from Sharpen.page, Lynn Romick from Conbini, Arvid Call, James Sowers from Castaway.fm, Jessica Malnick, Damian Moore of Audio Audit Podcast Checker, Eldon from Nodal Studios, Mitchell Davis from RecruitKit.